let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Outposts of Heaven, the podcast. I'm Emily, and I'm here, as always, all the times, with Andrew. With the wonderful Andrew. That's quite a big head you have. Adam, man, I'm trying to figure out what my superhero intro would be. Okay. It's like the Fantastic Four, like the, what what is Flash's thing? He's like the... I have no idea. I've actually never seen Fantastic Four. Man, I'm trying to remember now, like, anyway, it's like, what would my, like, catchy phrase be? Something Andrew, like... Wandrew, Wandrew, Andrew, the what? The amazing Andrew. The like, what was a good alliteration for Andrew? What would that be? The amazing Ant Man, Andrew. Ant Man, Ant Man's already a thing though. But Ant Man, Andrew's not a thing. Ant Man, Andrew would be my superhero <laughs> intro, according know. to Emily. The I can't think. Al- alliterating Andrew. No. There you go. Well, yeah, because you're making an alliteration. Right here. There we go. There is my superhero costume idea for Halloween. Whoa. Halloween's wah, wah, coming wah. up. Dun, dun, dun. And so we thought we would have a Halloween episode. Yeah. But we were trying to figure out how do we make Halloween kind of like a spiritual thing? We figured it out. We figured it out. Mostly Andrew figured it out. No, we figured it out together. Okay. As a couple. Because in all things, we are a partnership. Okay. A ship? We're a ship? Well, not in all, we can't in all things be a single partner. That doesn't make sense. But in all things, we are a partnership. Okay. So we are more than one partner. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, do you want to introduce our our little topic then? Yeah. Well, we just want to talk. I mean, maybe first we'll start off by telling a little bit about our childhood fears. And then, fear. That's the word we're looking yes, for there. we're looking for fear. We're talking about fear. We're talking fear. about fear. <laughs> there we go, Emily. Yeah. We're going to talk about fear. We're thinking we'll probably talk about our fears, and then we'll dive into... I always say dive in. I actually hate that, but whatever. We've talked about this before. I know. Um, we will get into talking about an experience we've had with I think Hiram. dive in is a totally fine phrase. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we're gonna talk about Hiram and his fears. We're talking about our fears. Talk about overcoming fears. Talk about fearing things like the second coming of the Lord. Yeah, talk about lots of things. Long. Uncertainty. We've already talked about uncertainty. Yeah. Have we released that episode yet? No, we have an episode coming up all about uncertainty. So that'll be a very we specific have, type like, of fear. Two episodes that are very similar like that. Actually. Yeah. Lots of good stuff coming. Yep. So, um, Andrew. Yeah. What? was your biggest fear as a child? I don't remember my biggest fear, but I remember a very specific fear I had when we first moved to Louisiana. You were three. Yeah. Wow, that's early. I was like early. three or four. Okay. I don't think I remember um, that far back. And I don't remember exactly when this happened, but I remember it was in the, our first house, and so I, I was young, uh, and I think it was like our first year here, so I was probably three or four. Uh we had just had our first crawfish boil. Were you scared of crawfish? I don't. I don't remember <laughs> if I was scared of them. They kind of creepy looking. While like you were eating them, but I remember that night, I had the most terrifying crawfish monster dream. 
And so I, I still remember it so vividly. Um, so I was like in our little family room and there was like a, a um, I, can't, I can't remember if it was like linoleum or if it was just like a white stone entryway or tile. I don't remember, but it was something like that. And then we had like a white door and I heard someone knocking at the door. And again, this is the day or the night after our first crawfish boil. And I go over to the door to open it up and there's water seeping in from under the the door mm-hmm. and there are like hundreds of little crawfish like little little tiny crawfish mm-hmm. like in the water mm-hmm. and then i open the door and there's a giant crawfish <laughs> standing in front of the door like not like on the ground but like standing as if he had like two human legs uh-huh. and i guess it was a her or a she uh, and she looks at me and said why did you eat my babies? And oh then she like, reaches for my for my throat, and I woke up, and I was terrified. That is crazy. Yeah. What? I just have this, and it's so vivid. I even remember like the I, shade of red. That I she love was. that you've never told me this. I love that I'm hearing about this. I for feel the like first we've time. had this conversation. You've never told me. Are this you before. sure? I promise you. I swear I have. I no, because now I'm gonna always think of crawfish and think of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Now I like crawfish. Actually, they're not my favorite. I'll eat them, and I kind of enjoy the crawfish boil, like atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But I think shrimp has a better flavor. Just throwing it out I there. Don't, I don't like either one. So. I love shrimp, but mm-hmm. I like crawfish in things. Like I love crawfish étouffée, um, but like eating boiled crawfish, um, not my favorite. Okay. I don't so, usually get full off of it. Yeah. It's the potatoes and the corn that's my favorite. Yeah. Anyways, so would you say that you were, like, scared of crawfish as a kid? I actually don't remember if that was was an ongoing thing or if that was a... one-time dream thing. Yeah, I think it was mostly a one-time dream thing because the next memories I have of crawfish are, like, going, like, looking at the live crawfish in the the ice chest before you throw them in the boiler and, and, like, picking the two biggest crawfish and making them fight. (laughs) And then we'd always let the one that won go. Really? Yeah. It's like, go where? <laughs> like we take him to the ditch. Like let him. Like, oh, okay. Because like our crawfish live in our ditch, right? So we're not. Yeah. It's not like I'm throwing him in the storm drain. That you're just going to like put him on the grass. <laughs> yeah, no. He, like we, they live in our ditch. And so we go put him in the ditch or we take him okay. to the bayou. It's like, well, you won. We didn't make them kill each other. It was just like who I kind of mm-hmm. was able to beat the other one. Yeah. Using some arbitrary measuring system that we came <laughs> up with. Uh, but as far as like ongoing fears, I mean, there was like the regular little kid fear. I think of the dark, which I'm still not comfortable with. Honestly, I don't nope. like being in the dark alone. Uh, your parents' house, even at our house, we like if I have to turn the hall light off and I'm the last one, so I'm like saying good night to the house. Kind of do like the, the, the shimmy, the, like, down the, the shimmy, scuttle, the shimmy run, <laughs> the shimmy run down the hall yeah. after you turn the lights off. No, that is yeah, I is still do that creepy. sometimes. Um, I'm trying to remember if there was anything else I was scared of as a little kid or like as a young, like a younger kid. Yeah, whatever. A kid, a youth. Man, I, I think the dark was probably the, the big one, but, oh, um, the bayou still freaks me out. Mm. Um, it really just water that I can't 
Yep. I can't see very deep. I think deep. we have very similar fears. Uh, I mean, I think those are common fears that yeah. a lot of people have. I, it freaks me out when I'm in a body of water and I can't see very far. Um, and it didn't freak me out that much when I was growing up because we would, like, swim in the bayou. And then within a couple-week period, like, we saw an alligator right off our dock. We pulled up a fish... Like, while we were fishing, we like reeled in a fish, and as we lifted the fish out of the water, a cottonmouth, which is a venomous snake, jumped, or it was a water box, I can't remember which one, or if they're the same thing. Anyway, a venomous snake jumps out of the water and bites the, the our fish that we're reeling in, uh, and then someone pulled an alligator snapping turtle out, and like a few miles down the way from where we were, but still in the same bayou, uh, or in the swamp, I guess, uh, we caught a baby bull shark and some other crazy stuff. So you're like, uh, yeah, no, I'm not yeah, going like, back in there. I was swimming here, like right here. <laughs> uh, so that's freaked me yes. out. And then the ocean just is, is kind of always freaky. Shark yeah. week ruined me. And just the, the fact that like the ocean is so powerful. So the, really freaks me the out. The water doesn't freak me out. It's, it's like it's specifically the, the animals. Okay. Because I'm like, scared of both. Yeah. Like, I know, like, it doesn't make sense because I know that if a bear tried to maul me, mm-hmm. I would probably die, right? Like, yeah. unless I had, like, a really big gun. Yes. I would not be able to beat the bear off with my hands. Right. But in my mind, it's like, this is, like, land is also my space. Mm-hmm. Water, not my space. <laughs> <laughs> like, and so, like, if I'm fighting a bear, it's like, at least I'm, like, used to being here. I can try and do something. Yeah. And I'm, like, fairly athletic. You and can breathe. In I it. can breathe, for one. Yeah, it's so, like, like, if the bear, like, pushes me down, at least I'll be able to continue breathing until it kills me. If, if like, something in the water grabs me and pulls me under, like, I can't do anything. I'm literally going to die I would because hope I can't breathe. that I would drown before I get eaten by the shark. I don't, like, most sharks, when they... If they bite you, it's like a... Like they bite a chunk out of you and they're gone. Ugh. That's disgusting. Yeah. So, uh, that, that's my thing. I know it doesn't make sense, but like a bear or a cougar, like I'm not as afraid of that inherently just because I'm like, this is my area. Like I am like also land a land creature. Like Also you, a land creature. You land creature, <laughs> I land creature. You stronger, but I also live here. So it's like less freaky. Well, I use more word with one few word, word do trick. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a probably the biggest one. Um, but it's like I'm trying to remember anything else specific as a kid. Mm-hmm. Did you ever like create monsters in your head? I don't remember if I did or not. I was always honestly more freaked out by like, like hauntings or like. Oh yep. Like me too. Um, I don't remember anything about like monsters, but definitely yeah. like spirits and. Yeah, like dark spirits. That, that stuff was. Like that. That. I remember being freaked out by that. Monsters yep. was. I don't remember that being as big of a deal. Maybe because of like those early childhood memories weren't as as big. But I'm I'm sure. I feel like most kids are like, scared of some abstract monster thing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that was there at some point. Okay, yeah. what about you? Well, I mean, basically the same as you, except minus the crawfish. <laughs> um, what? Yeah. So there was this dream that I would have. It was a reoccurring dream. And I, I've i had it even as an adult. 
and it's the it's so random and I'm embarrassed to tell it because it's not even scary. I'm pretty sure you've told me this. I have, no. yeah. But um as a kid it was terrifying. I hated it. And every time it would happen I would go into my parents' room and I would freak out. Did you get a D on a test? No. no <laughs> That's <D>. not it. <laughs> no, it's this dream where I can't quite tell like who I am in the dream, but like at one point I'm me and at one point I'm someone else. So basically I'm in the house. The you remember the Berenstein Bears books? Yes. Okay, so I don't know why that's such a big part of the dream, but basically, like I'm in their house. Are you dreaming cartoons? Mm, I don't know actually. Is like a cartoon Berenstein Bears? Well, I don't see the Is Berenstein it a Bears. Berensteins or Bernsteins? Ber- Berenstein. Berensteins. I don't know actually. Okay, I don't know how many syllables um, are in there. Anyways, so basically, I'm. Okay. I'm like this grandma lady, this old skinny grandma in like like a dress, like with a corset and everything, like a like That's a creepy. like an old fashioned dress. And I like walk up to the front door of this house and I like extend my finger and I like scratch my finger and then I put it straight again, you know? Like when you're about to ring the doorbell. Uh-huh. Like, you push your finger. Thing. Yes. Okay. okay. Hopefully, Keep our going. listeners will understand. Keep going. Anyway, so I push the doorbell, and this like big doorbell sound happens, and then suddenly I'm not the grandma anymore. I'm standing in the garage, with the door closed. Okay. And as soon as she rings, she meaning I, I don't understand how that works, but as soon as the old lady rings the doorbell, cardboard boxes fall from the sky in the garage, and crush me. <laughs> That is my dream. Are they empty cardboard boxes? Yes. They are put together, but they're empty. What could that even I have, almost I mean? I have no idea. I don't... But it was so scary to me as a kid, and it was recurring, and I, I had it on my mission once or twice. I had it... I don't think that I've is had it since this, we've been married, but... That's right. I remember you telling me this. That is so strange. But I don't know I what it means. I actually really loved, like, trying to interpret dreams as a kid. Mm-hmm. I still enjoy it, but yeah. I haven't... I've and I, I've never like read anything to like provide any guidance as to yeah looking for validity in my explanations. Right. So I mean that dream doesn't really tell me what I'm scared of really. Kind of like your crawfish dream didn't mean that you were scared of crawfish. No, my crawfish dream was was there because I ate little crawfish the more like so the you, night before. Like you felt guilty. So you have that dream. Yeah, I'm sure. Because like it was the first okay. time that I, I was... have no idea how to even connect. Well, my, like, my time was life. my thing was it was the first time that I was eating something that I literally saw alive and then we killed it and then I ate it and I ripped its tail out of its body and peeled its skin off of its tail meat and ate its tail meat. So that as a three year old apparently was a little traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like someone's mad at me that I'm doing this. And then I got over it. Because yeah. I remember that we've been given dominion over animals. So there you go. Okay. Um, as for like other fears, the basic no, 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 no. What, what could this box thing be? Like, uh, what could that be a fear of? I have no of? idea. If anybody guys listen It's like your fear of moving. If, your fear of if anybody has a clue, fill me in because I don't have a clue. No, I, I, I might be able to, I'm going to think about this. We okay. will get back to you. Yeah, maybe not, maybe but we'll, I'll, t- I'll talk to maybe you Maybe I'll tell it in the, our Instagram stories. And see what and everyone see thinks. see what everybody thinks. 
what, what it could mean. Your reoccurring death by empty cardboard box. I don't dream. even know if I died. I just wake up. You're just like overwhelmed by... By empty cardboard box. Maybe it's like your fear of empty experiences. Wow. Yeah, like you're afraid of like these things that look like they're like really important or there's a lot of like f- like meat to them, mm-hmm. but in actuality they're empty and they're hollow. And so you're afraid of, of like filling your life with these things, being overwhelmed by them. Wow, I think I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? That's my guess. Okay. That's my, my guess. I anyway. Think. We'll have to think about this more. Anyways, um, as for other childhood fears, the normal scared of the dark i don't really remember anything about monsters my parents could probably if they remembered they could probably say but i really don't know mostly just the whole spirit thing like hauntings oh yeah that was yeah my main one all it's still a big one for me yeah it freaks me out completely Mm -hmm. um and then the yeah so like the running down the hall thing i still do that i still don't like it when my feet dangle off of the bed and nothing can even be under our bed because it's on the floor that even in our bed, you don't like dangling a lot? Yeah. Okay, cool. It's not like anything's going to reach out from under the bed and get my toes, but I still get freaked <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah. You're funny. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. Well, are we going to move on to a more serious we should probably aspect of this? Or yeah. It's been fun, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, do you want to introduce this or do you want me to just dive Why in? Why don't you just... Give our explanation. Yes. Okay, so there is this guy. His name is Jordan Peterson. He is a psychology professor at the University of Toronto slash public speaker slash internet sensation slash so many other things. Um, And I love Jordan Peterson. And I love a lot of the stuff that he has to say. Uh, And I listen to his really long podcasts all the time. So his podcasts are usually like two to four hours long. Like he doesn't do short podcasts. That is so long. But it's awesome. Okay. It's so great. I've heard of like a few bits and pieces of what he says. And I, I really enjoy listening to him. Yeah, he, he has a lot of really good insights. Um, and he's a Christian guy, which is cool. Like you don't get a lot of these big intellectual Christians. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he, I, I differ with him on a lot of like things. Uh, theological points on a lot of theological points but i think the vast majority of his groundwork is very in line with with my own personal beliefs so he had this really cool idea that i that uh, he discussed in one of or actually in several different areas in his books and in his podcasts and his lectures and i was really struck by this idea and so he talked about how children, um, when they're scared of things like the dark or the monsters under their bed, um, they're not truly scared of those things. What they're scared of is the unknown monsters. They're not scared of the individual monsters that are threatening them. They're scared of the... The idea that there could be. Right. The idea of, the, of that there are some monsters. There's something trying to ruin their happiness or ruin the the world as they have constructed it mm-hmm. or that as it appears to them in that moment. And 
I thought like, okay, that's kind of a cool idea. And he explained that that's the same thing that adults go through. So when you're a kid, you have these, your, your mind kind of projects this fear of the origin of monsters or the origin of the, the scary things that's, that's, has the, that has the potential to ruin your perception of your world. Mm -hmm. Um, and you go from, as a kid, being afraid of the dark or the monsters under your bed. And then that switches to uh, the possibility of being fired or the, or like the difficulty or like the fear of not being accepted by your peers or the, uh, and whatever it is. But your brain, our brains aren't like, inc- how do I say this? We're a lot more similar to children than we think we are. Um, and so we just have more experience. And so that that fear of the monsters under their bed isn't really about them being afraid of monsters, right? It's really about this kind of deeper human fear of the unknown origin of monsters. Like that there might be something out there that's going to harm us. Like how I don't like the ocean because I don't know... What's in it? What's in it? And so yeah. the fact that there's there could be something in there that wants to kill me, uh-huh. it kind of freaks me out. Yeah, uh, it's the same thing as the monsters under the bed, and I might say, oh well, mine's a little more logical because there are actually sharks, and I've seen sharks, and he's and Hiram, like our, our son, is like, he's never seen a monster under his bed, and so like there's no reason for him to be fair uh, afraid. So my fears are more rational, and so I must be so much cooler, so much more developed Mm -hmm. but in actuality it's the exact same fear Uh, and what he said is that it is an inappropriate reaction or like our gut reaction is inappropriate so when we hear our kids say oh there's a monster under my bed or i'm scared of the dark whatnot monsters aren't real you don't have to be scared right that's our 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 gut reaction to be scared our gut reaction is to address the monster that's visible Mm -hmm. and by that i mean the monster that we see or we think that we're fighting so we're fighting the monster under our bed or we're fighting the the lack of we are fighting the fear of being um rejected by our peers not fitting in uh and if we only like try and console them like console kids and say oh there's no no monster in your bed like there's no reason to be scared of the dark here's a light Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff we're hindering them or maybe better put, we're missing out on an opportunity to give them something that's going to strengthen them later in life. So we shouldn't be telling them like, yeah, there's monsters everywhere. This is like, like don't freak them out. But like, what is the appropriate response? So the appropriate response, according to him is to, uh, kind of lead them to the, or lead them through questions, uh, to the I or to the conclusion that they can do something, mm-hmm. and so one thing he does is he asks children, "So do you think that there's a monster, or if it's a dream, like oh, so there's a monster in your dream, like what can you do about it to stop him?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that question implies the answer. So the answer that he's leading the the child to is, "There's something you can do about it. So there's something you can do to stop the monster." Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he goes through this process with with his nephew and we'll link the um, one of the instances where he's talking about this we'll link the video uh, in the show notes and 
the kid goes through like, oh, well, I can do this. Um, and then talks about how he can, what he can do to beat up the monster. And so I, I was just in love with that idea because it teaches the kid that he's, he is strong. And so if he's, if there's something to be scared of, you don't need to explain it away. Like you can be afraid of something, but you can run head into it, like run head first right into it and you can beat it. And so that mentality if you develop the, in children that mentality when it comes to monsters under the bed, that translates later into life into dealing with hard things like you know rejection of your peers, uh, being willing to take risks, and um, all those kind of things. So we decided to do this with Hiram. Recently, he's been saying things like, "I'm scared," or "It's too dark," or he's mentioned like monsters and i'm i'm wondering if watching monsters inc was good or bad (laughs) but um yeah so this thing i mean this is he's our oldest child he's four and this is the first time we're having to deal with this whole thing and it happened maybe the first time a few months ago yeah um and when he came in and told me um what was your first reaction my first reaction is there's no monsters it's okay you don't have Mm -hmm. to be scared but I, having discussed this... I hadn't, this like, heard about any of this before. Yeah, so I probably should have discussed this with you before we embarked right. on that. But mm-hmm. So I, I apologize it's, for that. It's fine. But <laughs> I... Uh, no, I think we had talked about no, it. No, you had... He had the problem before you talked to me about it. Okay. Uh, well, this came up, and so I said, Hiram, let's go sit in your room. So I went and sat in his room. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just crying, because he was like... He, was, he kept saying there was monsters and snakes and stuff under his bed he kept saying like a snake monster uh and this was sad (laughs) yeah well uh we started talking about it like okay well what can you do about it and he was looking at he like he looked at me like why aren't you telling me it's not real (laughs) yeah like like, well if there's a monster what are you gonna do about it he's like i don't know like if there's a monster in here and you don't do anything about it and you run out then like you might get ruth like what are you gonna do he's like I have to protect Ruth. Aww. And so we like went through the process like, okay, so if there's a monster, like, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm going to punch it. Like, yeah, you got to punch it in its face. Like, what if it's a snake and it tries to bite me? Like, you have to step on it. And we, we walked through all of his little scenarios. Like, well, what if it is this? Or what if it does this? And we talked together like, well, you can step on its head and grind it into the ground and like talk about like this kind of empowering. It's very boy. Like, um, <laughs> but talk about how we can beat up the monsters like i was like hiram you are so strong you're stronger than any other little boy i know and like no monster is going to be able to stop you like if a monster comes like you're going to be able to beat him up and you're going to be able to take him out and so if you see a monster you can get out of your bed and be like hey monster you go home or like and we start you go home and i love that. and we kind of like talked back and forth about it and he was kind of giggling and um it was a good moment we had like a 20 minute conversation about it and then he went to bed and he was fine after that and that was kind of it for a few weeks or maybe a couple months actually like well, had... it started up again this week oh yeah and we, and we started talking about the same thing uh-huh. uh but yesterday um we were i forget what we were doing but it was late it was like 10 10 30 yeah we'd already put him to bed and he came out and he yeah. told me he's like i need to talk to papa and i was like okay he's in the kitchen so he came out to the kitchen 
Yeah, and he walks up to me and goes, Papa, I needed to talk to you. I was like, okay, Hiram, what's wrong? He said, I'm having a hard time. I'm like, okay, so Hiram. Sad. Like, what's hard? He said, I don't speak Russian, and I'm have I'm having a really hard time learning Russian. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're a new listener here, we speak Russian in the home a lot. Yeah, I only speak to the children in Russian. Right. So yeah, he's we're really trying to work with him and Ruth, but mostly him right now, on speaking it back because he understands everything, almost everything we say, but he doesn't speak it back, and so we're really trying to work with him on that, and it's been really difficult for him. Yeah, and he just feels like a failure, and um, and I I sat down and I said, Hiram, come here, and. I said, why are you having a hard time with it? He's like, I, I don't know any words. I only know three words. And then I asked him <laughs> which words he knew. And he's like, I know th- this word and this word and this word. And, uh, and I said, Hiram, you know a lot more words than that. And he said, I don't think so. And I'm having this whole conversation with him in Russian. He's speaking to me in English, but he understands everything I say. So he, he right. understands it. Uh, but he just couldn't see that. And so I said, Hiram how do you say this in, in Russian? And then we went through about 30 different words. Uh, and he's like, okay, I do know those words. So I, I do know Russian. And I said, Hiram, you're so smart. Like, you know all of these words. We, but and I asked him, do you want to speak Russian? He's like, yeah, when I, when I grow up, I want to speak Russian just like you. And I said, well, if you are going to do that, then I have to speak with you in Russian. And it takes practice. It takes practice. So I'm going to speak with you in Russian all the time. And that means you have to speak with me in Russian, especially during our... So we have Russian days where we only speak Russian all day. And then we have a, like an hour on those days and then a period of time each every other day where he has to respond to us in Russian. And if he doesn't... We don't yell at him or anything, but we say, okay, well, no, this... No, there's is, no, like, punishment right. or anything. We just help him through the sentences. Yeah, it's like, this is how you say it in Russian. We go through it. And he said, I want to do that. I'm, I'm excited. And then he looked at me and he said, so we're going to punch monsters, right? Mm, um, that's just the cutest. Right. And so he like, he made that connection that this that Russian for him was like a scary monster. Yeah. It was a challenge. It was an unknown thing. I love that you didn't prompt that or connect that to him. Yeah. Like with him at all. And he made the connection on his own. Yeah, like I he, love that. Like he totally got that this was fighting a monster. And so he said, this like we're going to fight monsters. Like this is hard, but I can do something about right. it. And so because we've had this conversation about like when you're scared of things, you get up and you like punch it in the face. Like you don't back down, you don't cower, you don't tell yourself it's not real. You can admit that you're afraid. Uh, and we had a conversation, was it yesterday or this morning as well? I don't know, we, we, he kept saying coward. Oh, he was using the word coward wrong. Yeah, but, and, yeah. and we asked him if he knew what a coward was, and he said no. Uh, and uh, then he asked us what it meant, and I said, oh, a coward is when you're afraid and you don't do anything about it, or when you don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, being brave is when you're afraid and you... Do something about it, um, and so this is like this has been a common theme for us. And he totally got on his own that this r- learning Russian was a monster, like it was mm-hmm. something that's scary yeah. and unknown. And for, like he he's so close to that idea of like monsters under his bed right now that he 
gets it. He got it. He get it on, like, on a metaphorical level. And I was like, where is this coming from? Like, how did he even get how that? How did he make that connection? I have no idea. Yeah. I think I love I, it. My, my theory is that it was so raw emotionally. And he understood directly that like this was the same emotion he felt when he was scared of monsters. Um, that like it was just so raw. And there, he didn't have like a ton of layers of things that we put on our lives and like we put over our, our, our experiences to confuse us. Mm-hmm. And so he didn't have those to confuse him. And so he just saw that this was like this exact same emotional response. Right. Um, I mean, it could have been a totally random thing, but I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, because we weren't talking about monsters and we hadn't talked about monsters for a few days, but it was all the right. All the and sudden. even if it wasn't like his own, like smart brain figuring it out. Like I bet it was the spirit telling. Yeah, him. like I, I think that suggesting it to yeah. him. And so I thought that was super cool, uh, and I'm super happy that we started applying that. And again, we've only been doing it for a few months, but just seeing that crazy evident um, example of of it working mm-hmm. is really promising. Yeah. Um. I'm so glad you found that yeah. Jordan Peterson thing. Yeah, so I I would encourage everybody to kind of do the, to kind of do that, and I I think that very much is in line with the way the Lord wants us to be in our everyday lives. Right. Um, because I don't think when the Lord talks to us about not being afraid or not being troubled, that it has anything to do with not being not. Being, how do I say this? He's not wanting us to push our feelings under the rug. He's, he wants us to be genuine in our feelings. Right. He wants us to acknowledge our feelings. And I think we can be afraid of things. Yeah. You know, like the Savior himself, when he was in Gethsemane, uh, he said, like, Father, if it's possible at all, can you please take this cup away from me? Uh, and so he was afraid or he was burdened. He was scared of it uh, and he didn't want to do it. But what he did do after that, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine will, but thine be done. Mm-hmm. And so he understood that you can be afraid. You can be scared and still be holy, worthy and righteous. And the, the important part is to take that next step. Right. And I think a lot, I've been thinking about this a lot lately with kind of all the calamities going around and uh, all of the signs of the times I believe we're seeing that it's, it would be easy for people to be overwhelmed and think, do one of two things. Either think, oh, I'm not afraid at all and kind of push away those feelings of like oh of seeing signs of the times mm-hmm. and kind of diminish what's going on right now uh and then i could also see people looking at the signs of the times that are going on and then being overwhelmed and being scared kind of like paralyzed by it yeah yeah because i think it, it's okay to be scared i think mm-hmm. um it's okay to to be a little bit like i mean it's all unknown Mm-hmm. We've none of us have ever gone through this before, and so it, I think it's okay to be troubled, to be afraid. But it's what we do next. It's what it's how we use it, how we beat up the monster. Right. Well, it's um, like when we and then how we grow from it. Right. So, 
Yeah, definitely. And the Lord, what he asks of us is a broken heart and a contrite spirit. So he asks us to bring him our broken heart. And broken hearts are usually filled with worry and with fear and Mm -hmm. with stress and anxiety and all of the negative emotions because it was the presence of all those negative emotions that broke the heart in the first place, right? Like you can have a broken heart in a healthy way that doesn't require all like the super, super negative emotions, like there's like a like using godly sorrow and whatnot, but we're imperfect, and so all of these really negative emotions kind of slip in, right? And like this, this deep fear, anxiety, this this stress and this worry uh, that doesn't need to be there, but it does get in there, and it breaks our heart, and we bring it to the Lord. That's what it is, though. We have it, but what do we do with it? We bring it to the Lord. Right. We have it's to an give it to Him, and He is going to give us our heart back. But that heart is going to be better than it was, uh, but it's not going to be perfect. Like he's not going to take away all of our worries yet. Like he doesn't take away all of our fears. Uh, he just, I, in, at least in my experience, he gives me the peace and the strength to kind of move on with the worries. Mm-hmm. It's like the, while the worries are there, I know that in the long run, I am going to be blessed. And in the moment, I feel his love. Uh, and I know that like, I will continue to feel his love. I love that. I love that analogy of the broken heart. Yeah, I haven't thought about it before, but that's That really is cool. so beautiful. Right. I love it. Thank yeah. you for sharing. You're welcome. I, I just think there's such power in all of us. And I think we expect ourselves to be certain things and certain people. Um, and we're really not that different from our children. Um, yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Just that, like, I get so frustrated sometimes with the behavior of the kids or, like, how they're reacting to things. And then immediately I'm like, I'm doing the exact same thing that they're doing. I am throwing the adult version of the tantrum that they are throwing right, right now. Right. It's like, like the same behavior, the, the same, same emotions. You just clothe it differently. Maybe you throw in like a smidge more of patience, hopefully. And then I try to like validate it because like I'm the adult, so I can do this. But right. really it's like, well, we're both being children. Like, mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm working on it. Yeah. I mean, we're all working on it. Yeah. And I think there it's humbling to think about it that way and realize that, oh, children really aren't that different from us. But then it's also empowering because if we can adopt that humility that the kids have, where it's so easy for them to to change, I guess, like they, they can bounce back from their lows really quickly. Yeah. Uh, and if we can kind of adopt that more and more. I need to adopt that. Yeah. <laughs> they bounce back like, so fast. Yeah. Um, but as, as we recognize the potential for, um, or the importance of, of, attacking fear of like recognizing fear and attacking it. So hon, what do you think your big fears are right now that you um, need to work on like running at head first and beating up and punching in the face? That's a really good question. Well, I have like the broad, like I, I fear greatly losing a child. Like that is a really big fear of mine. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to, to like actually fight that right now. Maybe you have some ideas. I don't know. I okay. Don't know. Um, other than that, though, I fear not being accepted. 
I'm kind of a people pleaser and I don't like that about myself, but like I fear that feeling or I fear that that I'm being walked on or I fear people walking on me not that they are doing anything wrong, but that I'm letting them. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. I mean, that is a no, word no, vomited I, I totally get it. explanation of this feeling that I have. But like... You're be- afraid that you're being taken advantage of. Yeah. And you're letting people have... You're letting yeah. people do it. I'm scared of myself, basically. Like, I'm scared that I'm going to let people walk on mm-hmm. me. I'm scared that I'm not going to be brave enough to stand up for myself. Yeah. That's what it is. I'm scared of not being that. brave enough to stand so up. So how myself. do you run at it head first and punch it in the face like we were teaching Hiram to do? I have to be brave. I have to stand up for myself. And it's super hard. And it makes me want to cry because I'm so scared. You can do well, it. We, I mean, we've had this conversation yeah. <laughs> <laughs> several times, but yeah. Yeah. And it's scary. I mean, because the, you know, it, it's easy to think about this when you're talking to a kid about monsters under his bed uh, but then to take this same thing and apply it to you and your life and realize like, oh wait no these fears these are important fears like these are fears that I'm really afraid of uh, the like legitimate fears but it, it's the same emotional physiological part of our brains that's that is afraid of monsters as a child that is afraid of what you're afraid of now right and I think my first step in that and what I'm starting to do anyways is to take that to the Lord. Yeah. To help him or have him help me figure out what to say to people mm-hmm. and how to phrase it. Because it's it's almost that like I'm scared of I'm scared of what I'm gonna say when I try to stand up for myself. Right. You're afraid that like as you I try don't and say c- something you're going to hurt people's feelings. Yeah, I'm scared and, of hurting people's feelings. And so like you don't want to respond because you you think that you're going to offend somebody. Right. But you do want to respond because you like where the like your other fear is that you are allowing people to take advantage of you. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So do it's you like, have one sorry, go ahead. No, it's just like two sides of the same coin, right? right. Of like the people pleasing coin. Yep. Yeah. But do you have a fear that you have right now that you need to tackle? Oh yeah, definitely. That I, you need I to think punch in the face. Yeah, so my my fear might be a little convoluted, so I'll try and explain it as succinctly and as clearly as possible. Um, my deep fear is that I am not competent, or I'm not capable of being like professionally competent, uh, or competent in church service, or whatever. It's just a kind of a competent individual, mm-hmm. and that I'm like not there yet, and I I can't be there for whatever reason. Uh, and one thing that I have to really tackle to overcome my fear, you know, to take Hiram's words, like run up to it and punch it in the face, or put my heel on its head and grind it into the ground, is separate my righteous desire to be competent uh, from my desire to appear competent in other people's eyes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because there's a difference between being actually being competent and being competent in people's eyes. uh, Because I... Appearing competent. Yeah. And 
I, I think part of my problem is I've been trying to judge what I think competence looks like solely based off of, maybe not solely, but primarily based off of the opinions of my peers and especially of the opinions of my mentors that I reach out to frequently and ask help for, help for. And frequently they have kind of these, like, to be statements. Or like, you are this. Like, oh, I think you're like this. Or you're, you are going to struggle with this. So they kind of like pass these judgments and these statements. Mm-hmm. And I crave their approval so much that I, I'm like constantly trying to... I, yeah, I crave that they're... they're yeah, their approval or their opinion that I'm competent so much that I, uh, as they give make these statements, I kind of give in to them, and I'm like, oh yeah, you're saying this. This must be totally right. Like this is this is who I am, or that's what I'm going to be like, or those are the struggles I'm going to have. When it's, I've been so conflicted because I have multiple people that I really look up to that are really great mentors, that um, kind of present these conflicting ideas of who they think I am right and who they think I'm going to be and it has been a real emotional challenge I mean because being like starting a new career especially in a new industry is challenging and you're going to stretch and there's there's lots of unknowns and you're figuring yourself out and so sometimes other people are able to see you better and like kind of like understand where you're at where you're coming from better than you can. Uh, and so it's difficult to be able to separate other people's opinions of you um, into those categories where like, yes, they are, they're more right about me than I'm able to see right now, or no, they're off on this one. And that is really difficult when it's coming from people that you really, really respect mm-hmm. and that people you want to be like. And I, I need to, to really work on that. And I think separating my idea of competency from the my desire to appear competent is going is helping me a lot as I've started to do that. Even in the past week or past couple of days, really, I felt a big difference. So hopefully that was not a super crazy uh, esoteric answer. No, I don't think it was. Hmm. I understood. Okay, and I know where you're coming from. So yeah. And it's scary because it, it feels like, uh, like when you're talking to somebody or you're talking to your spouse about your fear, it's easy to come up with a million excuses. And you're like, and the, the excuses seem more logical or more legitimate than, than the excuses your kid gives you about the monster under the bed. But they're the same thing. It's the same pathological processes or physiological chemical balances and, and pathways that produce those types of arguments like you're trying to defend yourself from having to deal with the source of monsters Uh, and that's not good and we need to train ourselves to be full of confidence in our savior and full of confidence that we can do all things through christ who strengthens us yeah i like that and as we do it like it's gonna be rough and the lord's not gonna take away all the problems like you look at how the lord treated the israelites under Moses, where he made them walk around the desert for 40 years uh, and go through this process of laboring and and collecting their food every morning from the manna uh, and um, all of the things he made them do. He was there with them the whole time, but it wasn't easy. 
it wasn't like a walk in the park where all of their worries and their concerns and their fears were removed. Every step of the way, they had to trust in him. And if you weren't afraid, you wouldn't have to trust. I love that you can so easily bring the scriptures into everything. Thank you. You're welcome. I try. Um, but I think I've been monologuing. I've probably monologued. <laughs> Do you have anything else to add, honey? No, I just, I love this conversation and it's really made me think more about my own fears and how I need to be more diligent in actively overcoming them. Yeah. So hopefully you guys will be able to find that encouragement and inspiration to do the same and maybe to have that conversation with your kids about fears and how um, it's totally valid to have them, but what are we going to do about yeah. it? And so. I hope that if nothing else you take from this conversation, even if you're not going to adopt what we are doing with our kids, about like oh, the yeah. punching the monsters in the face tactic. Uh, I hope that you are able to just kind of step back and do some self-analysis and you're motivated by our conversation, which was a genuine conversation that we're having for the first time. And we've talked about some of these things, like some of our fears before, uh, but this was a genuine conversation where we learned stuff about each other's fears mm-hmm. and about our own fears during this conversation. So hopefully you're inspired right. by that and you want to go and, and talk to your spouse or some somebody you trust about these things. Uh, so you can kind of make a game plan and figure out how you're going to stand up to the monsters and tell them to go home and punch them in the face. Right. Because God's on your side. And if God's on your side, like, who can stand against you? Okay, let's wrap up with our loves and less than loves. Okay. I have a love. I have a love. Oh, we're in love. Yeah. That's so cute. Okay, so this past week, I've been doing the Anya challenge, and I'm loving it. Um... We had Aubrey Grossen on from the Anya Project a couple months ago, and she basically talks about the program she started called Anya. It's a new you again, and it's for um, moms basically like be finding themselves again and recreating themselves again mentally, emotionally after becoming a mom. Anyways, um, so one of the, the challenges that is happening right now, and you can go find it um, on Instagram at Anya.project. But it's basically like a 30-day challenge where you every day you do 20 minutes of moving. So like any exercise or yoga or stretching or whatever you want. And then a 10-minute meditation and catching the sunrise or the sunset. And so you do that every day for 30 days. And I have not succeeded every single day, but I'm doing my best and I'm loving it and I feel really good. Especially catching the sunrise or sunset, that makes me feel really, really happy. Well, awesome. So. Well, my lesson love is far less inspiring. Wait, and you just said noble. your lesson. Oh, my love. Sorry, my love is far less inspiring okay. and and noble. Okay. Um, I love to work to music, like to write or to brainstorm to mm-hmm. music, but I love really, I really, really love to work and brainstorm to electronic music like to like heavy melodic dubstep i don't know how you can focus i love it i think it like i really like the super super fast pace yeah um and it has to be melodic dubstep i can't do like hardcore trap or i don't um, even know what that means or like kind of skrillex type dubstep like Mm -hmm. it has to be a melodic dubstep especially like melodic vocal dubstep um if you're into EDM, like that, you know what that is. But 
Uh, I really like the fast paceness. Fast paceness, is that is the, the quick, fast pace, the oh. quick pace, yeah, the quick pace, um, because it helps me kind of move forward rapidly, and helps me get out of like uh, thought traps or like, analytical traps that mm-hmm. are easy to fall into otherwise. Yeah, uh, and so it just kind of keeps me going forward, and I really like it. So that that's my my love. Uh, on, I just, what I usually do is I go onto YouTube and I type in melodic dubstep or I go onto, uh, Apple music and type in melodic dubstep and find some playlist somewhere. There are a couple albums out there. Pretty good. Beware. If you do it on YouTube, there are usually, for some reason, they like to stick very scantily clad anime girls on like the, on the like YouTube the, videos. The cover art stuff. Yeah. The cover art. That's and so weird. I you sh- I like always. I uh, repeatedly just say if they have like scantily clad anime girls or non-anime girls that pop up on the cover art, I just say I, I don't want to see this video. And if you tell YouTube enough that you don't want to see those kind of videos, it stops suggesting those kind of videos to you. And so okay. I, that's what I've done. And now I don't see those nearly as much. But just be aware. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, I cannot ever focus if I listen to that. I have to have Silence or Paul Cardall. I know I'm a grandma, okay? You are a grandma. <laughs> okay. I, okay. I do like Paul Cardall as well. And like when I'm studying my scriptures or I need to study something really attentively, I also do Paul Cardall. And like Paul Cardall is a uh, composer and pianist. Yeah, classical. Yep, and that's also good. But for regular working, I want to listen to really fast EDM. All right, guys. Okay. We love you. Happy Halloween. Yep, happy Halloween. Stay safe out there and keep the faith. Bye.